in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Asia Wilson was named MVP of the WNBA. She posted 19.5 points, 9.4 rebounds, and led the WNBA with 1.9 blocks per game this season. It is her second MVP. She won one back in 2020 as well. And I think to me, the most important stat from Asia Wilson, this is not why she won MVP, but I think the most important stat for her this season She shot 52.5% on two pointers, which is a career high. She had never shot above 50% on two pointers in her career. And I think when we talk about the differences in Bill Lambeer and Becky Hammond, the improved spacing that the Aces had this year on offense helped Asia Wilson with less contested paint and easier shots at the rim. Is Bill Lambeer on his farm saying, that's my team, I'm the one who built it? Um, I should be given credit for this. Maybe. How? Maybe. I think he's probably cheering for them. I would guess he's cheering. I would hope he is. However, if I'm Bill Lambeer, as of right now, I'm saying Becky Hammond hasn't done anything special. Lambeer got to the finals with this. Right. Right. I think that's one of the funny parts is like, I listen, I was as critical of Bill Lambeer as anybody because he's playing basketball like it was the 1980s. But this team was for three years with Lambeer the one or two seed pretty much every year in the NBA uh, WNBA final or playoffs. They had one year where they weren't. And then they got to the semis two years in the finals one year. Like this was a really good team under Bill Lambeer. Becky Hammond didn't inherit some bum roster and she's risen them from the dead. They were really good. They just were playing basketball from the eighties and that's probably not enough to win. So, so far, and I think they're going to win the finals, but so far Becky Hammond has accomplished pretty much exactly what Bill Lambeer accomplished as the head coach in his three years they win the title obviously becky hammond will have taken that next step but right now this is exactly as far as bill lambier got and asia wilson did win an mvp under him exactly yeah this isn't like yeah exactly it's she's been better this year more efficient but it's not like asia wilson wasn't good and then becky hammond made her great i think becky hammond's just given them the small edge of, hey, welcome to basketball in the 2020s, right. as opposed to what you were trying to do with the bad boy Pistons in the 80s. Step back one legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? Win. The Big 12 is looking west. Their commissioner, Brett Yormach, uh, said yesterday obviously, going out west is where I would like to go. Entering that fourth time zone and I don't think he means he just wants to go on vacation um so that obviously implies going west before we talk about actual schools the big 12 could look out is it a positive thing for a conference to be in four different time zones because that's what he's um, implying here. that's what he's implying I don't think it's a negative thing I don't think it's negative to be in four time zones I mean I don't know how important it is if you're the big 12 with your depending on your TV contracts and everything. But, I mean, it's not negative. Because they're going to have Central Florida's joining the Big 12. So they're going to have Florida. I think West Virginia's already in the Eastern time zone. But they're going to have a team all the way in Florida. And then, obviously, the majority of their teams are right in the middle of the country. And then if they go west, 
they're going to add a team from California or maybe it's UNLV here in Nevada or somebody in Oregon or Washington. I don't know that it's a good thing if it's Central Florida taking on San Diego State. Well, is it a good thing if UCLA softball is taking on Wisconsin? <laughs> so the the non-football and basketball sports are well, the interesting ones. They're going to get right. And I, I will say this. One of the interesting details on the USC-UCLA move was that both those schools plan to charter all of their sports. Their so, Olympic sports. So when you know softball goes to wisconsin when ucla softball's got to go play against wisconsin or you know i think softball is generally on the weekend but volleyball and women's basketball right when they've got to go play a wednesday game right they're apparently going to charter which makes that a much easier process right you're still on a plane for whatever three hours right but it's a much easier process but I, i to me like the big 10 to make that comparison Adding UCLA and USC, that is worth it to me because you're going to get USC and UCLA playing Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. That is worth it. When it's Central Florida and San Diego State, that to me is not worth it. Like, that's just not a matchup that people care about. So it sounds, I guess it sounds nice to be in four time zones and look how expansive we are and look at all the different markets we're in. But if it's Central Florida and San Diego State, uh, doesn't it doesn't seem is worth it Is he talking, do you think, about... Oregon and Washington, or to get into California, much bigger market. Is he talking about San Diego State? So this was the quote he gave about what he wants in a new Big 12 member. A program that has national recognition, one that competes at the highest level in basketball and football, stands for the right things, and is a good cultural fit. Those last two are just... The last two, I have no idea what he's talking about. Whatever. But the highest level of basketball and football and national recognition, right? If those are the priorities for the Big 12, UNLV is not getting invited to the Big right. 12. If those are the priorities for the Big 12, is the San Diego State meet those? I don't... Like, I mean, basketball-wise, football-wise, it depends on what you think is the highest right, level. I mean, exactly. they've been to bowl games 10 straight years. So, like... But not... They're competing good. for the playoff. They're good, but they're they're not going to compete for a playoff. Right. So it's like, what do you mean by highest level? And then, but then the thing is, if you compare it to the other teams on the West Coast, even in the Pac-12, do Cal and Stanford meet those? Probably not. Right. It. You start like you said. Is that Oregon? Is he talking about? I mean, Oregon? I think he's. I think he's insinuating Oregon. Yeah. So that's a fascinating part of that because. As we've heard reported, Oregon and Washington have reached out to the Big Ten. They want to join the Big Ten. Right. At what point would an Oregon say, okay, we're not getting into the Big Ten. The Let's Big go 12 the Big is 12. interested. We'll, right. We think that's better for us. I don't know if they would. Because if, if you're Oregon, you're probably holding out until the Big Ten offers you. And if they don't, you just stick with the Pac, whatever they I are. I mean, if you're San Diego State, you want the Pac-12. Right. And But if you're San Diego State and the Big 12 asks, you're gone. Oh, you don't wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, if you're no, a Mountain no, West no. team and, and the Big Twelve wants you, you oh, yeah. go right away. Even if you're Especially like nowadays. Yeah. Even if you're like we'd prefer to be in the Pac-12. Right. Oh yeah. You get yeah. the offer to the Big Twelve. Yeah. You gone. We'll see you later. Sure. We'll f- we will figure out how the hell our volleyball team is going to play Central, Central Florida. Florida. We'll figure that out, but we're going because yeah. we're even in the Big Twelve. What is it going to be? Triple, quadruple our television money. Right. Maybe even more than that at some point in the future. So yeah, you're gone for sure. Oh, uh, you know I can't tell you that. The Golden Knights will play 12 nationally televised game that includes their season opener against the LA Kings that will be on ESPN. Here's the fun game. I can't wait for March 28th because there's only one game for the Golden Knights that will be exclusively on ESPN Plus and Hulu. March 28th against Edmonton, which means 
If you're a Golden Knights fan and you want to watch that game, you are going to have to pay for ESPN Plus or Hulu to do so. A lot of people already do. I already pay for that, so that won't be an extra cost for me. I'll just have to find it somewhere else. But there will be a lot of Golden Knights fans who will not be able to watch that game because they are not paying for ESPN Plus or or Hulu. Hulu. Um, So that'll be uh, fun because there will be a lot of complaints for that game, especially, you know, Golden Knights are good if them and the Oilers are in a playoff race March 28th late in the year. That could be a very important game for the Golden Knights that is only going to be available on ESPN+. Plus. By the way, is 12 a lot for a team that missed playoffs? I didn't. I mean, I saw that the schedule was put out yesterday. I certainly didn't go through every one, so I don't know if someone like Tampa Bay has 20. Yeah. I, what what's what's the number twelve? What do you think? I don't. I, I do not I think can't it is tell a lot. you. I don't know. I do not what think the what the better teams got. No, I do not think it's a lot of games uh, for national TV for the Golden Knights because they're still an intriguing team, even if they were bad last year, and even if they're a they have Eichel, team. they have some names where you could say, okay, we'll put them on. Right. They are an intriguing team, and I'll say this: they're an intriguing team that I believe the rest of the hockey fan bases like to see lose. So even if they're, oh, there's no question about even that. if they're somewhat bad, yes team you know from a national perspective there will be an interest in watching the golden knights lose so i think it's uh maybe not completely irrelevant that they are a good team or not but the golden knights have an interest whether or not they're a good team or a bad team daddy had a breakaway all right champions league group stage yesterday atletico madrid beat porto 2-1 all three goals by the way scored in stoppage time but i learned of one of my favorite scenarios happening in the world of soccer right now So Antoine Griezmann plays for Atletico Madrid. He is on loan from Barcelona. So Barcelona loaned Antoine Griezmann to Atletico Madrid, which means technically Antoine Griezmann is still a Barcelona player, but he's playing for Atletico Madrid this season. But here's the interesting part of that. In the loan agreement with Atletico Madrid, if Antoine Griezmann plays 45 minutes or more in at least 14 games this season, Atletico Madrid have to pay Barcelona $40 million and buy Griezmann. So the loan would be over. They would buy him and pay Barcelona $40 million. They're not going to play this guy that much. Well, he's like their best player. He scored the game-winning goal yesterday. So what Atletico Madrid is doing, because it is 45 minutes or more in 14 games, they are bringing him on as a substitute in like the 60th minute of every game. So he's playing about 30 minutes of every single game as a substitute. Stoppage time counts? Uh, I don't believe that counts as your minutes played. I think if you just, it just stops at 90. So if you come in in the 60th, you just play 30 minutes, you play 30 not minutes. 34 or whatever. But I absolutely love that, that Atletico Madrid is going to sit here and say, okay, a guy who's probably lead them in goals potentially this year if he got to play the entire season, you know, majority of games. But they're just going to bring him on as a sub because they don't want to be obligated to buy him for $40 million from Barcelona. Phenomenal. I love stupid stuff like this, and this is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Did Was that MLS game last night? Oh, the U.S. Open Cup, yeah. Sacramento got beat 3-0 by Orlando City. Okay. Wasn't, yeah. All three goals were, uh, what, after the 60th minute. So it was Okay, so they, for, they hung around. Time. Yeah. But yeah, Orlando City, their spying finally paid off. Spying on the small yes. USL team. Having that one out. dude watch yes. the practice. <laughs> the guy they asked to leave. I, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry. I just got this. <laughs> All right. I did want to get to this. Zach Wilson, not going to play in week one. He's not going to be unavailable until week four. 
Joe Flacco is going to start in his place. So There's some optimism earlier this week that Zach Wilson could be back for week one, but he will not be back until at least week four, which means we get three weeks of Joe Flacco playing quarterback. Sounds not, doesn't sound fun. He's going to play. Sounds like I know who's picking in my Survivor League. <laughs> who's playing the Jets? Baltimore this week. Yes. <laughs> so Joe Flacco still starting quarterback in the NFL. Coming up next, we'll jump back into some Golden Knights. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Darren Millard's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Also, we've got tickets to give away to go see Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Uh, Stay tuned for that a little bit later in the show. Also, tomorrow, we start our Friday uh, bankroll again. Thanks to Dollar Loan Center. We're going to have 100 bucks for somebody. All you're going to have to do is pick the winners of three NFL games that we give you. And if you do that, you'll win a hundred bucks. If not, that hundred dollars goes into week two and somebody will have a shot at $200 and so on for the rest of the NFL season that gets started tomorrow. Uh, Now on the golden Knights, the VGK insider show had Kelly McCrimmon on yesterday. And I want to read you two things that Kelly McCrimmon said talking about Mark stone obviously coming back from uh, back surgery. He said, I think that when you have these off-season surgeries, really you don't have that definitive timeline until the players get here. Is that a fair reasoning for why the Golden Knights seem to not know timelines on injuries in the off-season? I don't know why that couldn't have been said a long time ago. Right, that, hey... We don't know. We just haven't seen him in in a while because it's the offseason. And that would be far more acceptable than being specific about things and then a week later getting another goalie. (laughs) Right? I would think so. I mean... Because it it applies to Robin Leonard. It applies to Mark Stone. It applies to Laurent Brossois. Three guys that had surgery in the offseason. If you come out and say, hey, they had surgery. The initial projection was that he'd be back by this date. but Don't know. know, Rehab. he's, He's... on, you know, it's the off season. He's not here. We don't see him every day. Right. So uh, we don't know exactly what the timeline is. I think that would be a lot more understanding. But here's the interesting uh, other quote from that interview to juxtapose with Kelly McCrimmon saying, we don't have the definitive timeline until they get here. Mark Stone is in town. He's skating. Our expectation is going to be available for the opening of the season. What that means exactly with respect to training camp, we'll see. So Kelly McCrimmon said they don't have a definitive timeline because guys aren't in town. Then said Mark Stone is in town and he's skating and they don't know when he'll be ready in training camp. Once again, we don't know which way it is, <laughs> right? It's I mean, just, I guess to give it, he did say he'll be available. And Bruce Cassidy for the opening told us he was season. in town skating as well. Right. So he's here. He's skating. He's skating. I would assume they know exactly when they're targeting for him to be back. Yeah. I would assume. Now, listen. But again, it's a back surgery. It's a back. You right. don't know how he's going to respond to Guys day. recover from injuries. Yeah. I, I understand. Things happen. setbacks, set, right. rehab, sure. But I still have to believe the Golden Knights have an actual time of when they expect Mark Stone to be back. They have a day or a well, week. Well, I would hope so. Of when they think yes. he will be back. I and would hope he and the doctors... Give them right. somewhat of a doc, somewhat of a timeline. And for some reason, the Golden Knights refuse to say that date. They will say he'll be ready for the regular season, but they refuse to say when he'll be available in the preseason. Yeah, I'm not so, I'm not so against that trying to because when they mark down, but they this is what they've done in the past. They've said specific things, and then next week 
acted differently. So maybe this is a good thing that they don't give a specific day or a specific <laughs> week, right? And then the next week they're going to say, well, that changed. So I'm not so against them not giving us a specific time. I just wish these quotes uh, would have happened earlier. Yeah. And then no helpful. one would have questioned anything. I think, so, okay, here's my question with Mark Stone. Why would it have been so bad? So initially, here, here's what the Golden Knights did. Kelly McCrimmon's first statement on this was Mark Stone's going to have back surgery. We expect him back for the start of training camp. Then he had the back surgery, and then they said, we expect him back for the start of the regular season, right? So within like two weeks, they changed their mind on when he was going to be back. And then we go the off season. We had the whole story of Mark Stone's going to miss training camp from NHL.com. The Golden Knights kind of sort of refuted it, but never really actually said when he would be back. And now we've got McCrimmon saying, well, he'll be ready for the start of the regular season. We don't know about training about camp. training camp, about what he might do in training camp. Why is it so hard for, hey, Mark Stone had back surgery, right, back in May. We expect Mark Stone to be ready for opening day. Or but we're not camp. sure. Whatever day it is, just say we expect him to be ready for this date, right? Whether it's the, op- what do you want to say, opening day or training camp, whichever one it is. He'll be ready for this date. And then when you get into the offseason and when this story comes out from NHL.com, because that's what really caused the issues for the Golden Knights is an NHL.com story said he wasn't going to be available for training camp. Why is it so hard then to come out and tell people what's going on? Why is it so hard then to come out and say, Mark Stone's rehab is fine. We still expect him back because in training camp. Because they struggle with these things all the time in terms of what to say and yeah. when they say and what and, and how they say it. Or... Mark Stone had a setback. He, we expect him to be back blank whenever the hell that is. Like, I just, you're not giving away any information that can be used against you if you come out and say, Mark Stone will be here for day one of training camp, day five, day 10, whatever. And you're not giving anything away if you say Mark Stone has had a setback. Like, there's no, there's no advantage that any other team in the league is gaining on you by hiding what's happening with Mark Stone. I can understand the logic a little bit when they do the whole lower body and upper body thing in the regular season. I still think it's stupid, but I can understand why they don't want to give away, oh, it's his specific hand or a specific shoulder. Or a knee or something right. like that because guys could take runs Even though him. I'm pretty sure that. other teams know what injuries right. their their opponent are facing. But in this offseason, there's no benefit to the Golden Knights hiding what's happening with Mark Stone. There's no benefit to being vague or lying about what's happening with Mark Stone because everybody knows he had back surgery and whenever he's out there, whether it's training camp, whether it's the first game of the season, whether it's December, right? Everybody's going to know. Oh, he's not came as simple back. to you as he doesn't like dealing with the media. But I'm just, this would, to me, this I'm would make saying. it all easier. This would make it a hundred percent easier. If you would just come out and be truthful about it. If they, if they, from the start were just truthful about Mark stone and just came out and said, when that NHL story came out and said, he's going to miss training camp. The Golden Knights came out as a team and just put out a statement that said, here's the, you know, Mark Stone's back, recovering from back surgery. His rehab is going well or going poorly, whatever it's doing. And we expect him back by blank. If they just come out and said that, Kelly McCrimmon doesn't have to deal with the media. He'd just say, yeah, we put out the statement and told you exactly what's happening. But because they refuse to like answer questions right, he has to answer more questions about it. If you're just truthful from the start, there's no questions to be answered. So I think he makes it, I think they make it worse on themselves over and over and over. And now we're sitting here and granted season's not that close, but it's September 8th. 
And nobody knows exactly when the most important player on this team is going to be available to play hockey. Nobody knows that, right? The fans don't know it. We don't know it. I guess maybe Kelly McCrimmon knows it, but he said he doesn't, he will see when he's going to be available in training camp. He supposedly just, will be there to start the regular season, but look, given their history, I don't know if I believe I it. I just think you hit it on the head that they make things harder on themselves. Yeah. If they just said declarative statements, one, no one would care to the point of, I mean, I'm not saying no one would care, but no one would, be, everyone would accept it. Let's right. say that. Everyone would accept it. Okay, he's going to be back at this time. And then you get a week out from that time, you can say, hey, you know what? Rehab hasn't gone yeah. well enough. Now we're hoping for this time. Right. And then people say, okay, I understand it's a back, right. back injury. I mean, fa- people would be worried because, oh, it's Mark Stone. Right. And he's going to miss more time than expected. But from a, hey, what is this organization doing standpoint, nobody really quite. If, if a guy's rehabbing and, oh, he has a setback and he's going to be a week later or You're not whatever, questioning that. We're not sitting here ripping the Golden Knights no. because, oh, Mark no. Stone's back didn't heal no. in time. But when they won't tell you exactly what's happening with the most important player on the team, you're like, okay, well, what are you doing here? Like, why why can't you just say he'll be back blank? Like, why is it hard to say that? I, I don't know. Because here's, the, to me, the biggest example of them making it harder on themselves was two years ago when Robin Leonard missed, what was it, a month, maybe two months with a concussion. Concussion. And they did not say at the beginning that he had a concussion. They refused to say why Robin Leonard was just suddenly gone. And what it led to was people questioning Robin Leonard's mental health. It led to people wondering. And he had to answer those questions once he he came back. When he came back. He had to address those questions. And if the Golden Knights had come out from the beginning and said, Robin Leonard has a concussion. And we don't know how long it's going to be. Not a single person would have questioned it. No. Nobody would have been like, oh. Robin Leonard, what happened to him? Is he is he having issues that he can't be on the ice? We'd be like, oh, he has a concussion. And he'll be back when he... I mean, we all know concussions can take... No, he'll be back when he's back. Right. Whatever it is, the five-day period or Too however much. long. Right. It takes a long time. So, But they over and over refuse to do that, even when they... And that's the thing to me. They have nothing to gain from it. They had nothing to no. gain from saying Robin Leonard has a concussion. All they have to gain is more skepticism from media right. and other people. Like, And maybe they don't care about that. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think they there's do. people over yeah. there who care about the media. <laughs> I, I don't think they do, but it just, it's, it's crazy to me that they will be intentionally misleading, straight-up lie, or just be very vague when they don't have anything to gain from it. They don't have anything to gain from being vague about Mark Stone right now. They, they don't. There's not a single thing that makes the Golden Knights better or gives them an advantage on opponent by being vague about Mark Stone or Yeah, because at the end of the day, everyone knows it's a back. Right. Does, yes. Everyone knows he had back surgery. He's going to come they back. said that. He had back gonna, surgery. Yeah. He's going to come back, and it's going to be, oh, he had back surgery. Yeah, he had back surgery. And there you go. So I just don't know what they have to gain from the way they handle injuries the majority of the time. Same with Laurent, Laurent Brassois, by the way. Like, what do they yeah. have to gain from him if they can say he's going to miss – one week, or he's going to be out till December, like Bruce Cassidy did the other day when he sort of gave this vague timeline of two weeks to three months or whatever it is. What do you have to gain by not telling anybody when you think Laurent Brossois is going to be back? Nothing. There's no There's no advantage. We're not going to look back and say the Golden Knights made or missed the playoffs because they didn't tell people when Laurent Brossois was going to. Instead, we're just sort of left to be like, ah, uh, we don't know when anybody on this team is going to be available because they don't actually say anything. Coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Moose, you just keep on moosing. This doesn't concern you. Maroon is not just a color. 
This is the VGK Update with Darren Milsey Millard. Hi, Darren. Morning, Maroon. How are you? you? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Good. All right. I've got got another important question. You're going to have to keep answering for these until um, the front office says something definitive. Um, Bruce Cassidy. By the way, my my buddy Nick... Uh, he was listening last week, and he thought you were uh, a little bit uh, combative. Yes, that's <laughs> I mean, what I'm going for. I'm going to fight thanks, you again. Uh, thanks for checking in, Nick. How often does he listen? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. He thought Bru- you pushed a little much. That's what we're doing here, Bruce. I'm going to do it again. Uh, Bruce Cassidy told Fox Five on the Rant Brossois, uh that whether he joins us at the end of the year or two or three weeks in, we'll see him. Is Laurent Brossois going to be out until like December? End of the training camp? I, he said, no, he said end of the year, which to me implies end of the calendar year, as in Laurent Brossois won't be playing hockey until December. Yeah, I uh, I anticipate we'll see him, based on what I've uh, been able to track, uh, I think we'll see him before the, the end of, uh, of the calendar year, uh, what I've been uh, led to believe. But he is coming off a procedure that uh, that's going to impact his, his training camp. Uh, but uh, I think we'll see him a little bit later than that, or sooner than that. Uh, sooner than that, as in before the season starts, or you think this is going into the no, season? No, I think I think it's going to be tight uh, for okay. the start of the season uh, and, and getting into into that mix. And, and you saw that with the acquisition of uh, not just Aiden Hill, but Michael Hutchison, who's got the National Hockey League experience. Uh, I, I think that was... Uh, Intended to be a bit of a safety net or stopgap in the in the Laurent Brassois situation. So uh, I certainly think that they, that he's in a position where he's going to miss some time, but I don't I don't know whether it's going to be three months into the season. Have you changed your mind or updated your thoughts on Mark Stone? Uh, no, no. I think I think it's been uh, absolutely. Uh, Backed up by by different comments uh, that we've heard uh, by uh, by the general manager on the VGK Insider Show uh, this week. Oh, that, uh, that he's skating and he's uh, he's uh, back uh, back in the city and then he sounds like he's making progress. So uh, no, I, I haven't changed that uh, that at all. I'm, I'm maybe even more optimistic uh, uh, to to put a, a little bit of a added element to it. Um. How good should we expect Mark Stone to be coming off a of back surgery? Like, should we expect him to just be Mark Stone? Or is this a, well, he had back surgery, so there might be something where he's not the Mark Stone we're used to? I don't know. Um, like, when you have back surgery, does that, like, you still have your hands, right? I think so. Okay, and you still have your feet. Yeah. Yeah. And you still have uh, have your head, uh, which he's a very smart player. Uh, so I, I think I think we can expect the uh, the same Mark Stone. Yeah, he's gonna. It's gonna take some time to to get back his his body back and comfortable, and and I'm sure that there's a, a testing it out element uh, to this. But uh, I fully anticipate Mark Stone to. You, you could tell me that he could be better because this this really started. Uh, we saw it take a, an impact to his game in that third round series against Montreal. Uh, in that COVID season, where he he wasn't nearly as effective as as he had been prior to, uh, and and uh, being able to produce numbers and generate uh, opportunities the way he had, 
I think you might see a rejuvenated uh, Mark Stone uh, out of this instead of uh, maybe taking the other side that, that it might cause a, a bit of a pullback in the stats. Jack Eichel has been pretty honest during interviews uh, about how he has to be better um, and that he wasn't himself. Now, he did have the surgery last year, but didn't use that as an excuse. But there's been a couple uh, stories where he said how much better he has to be. Uh, do you agree with that, and how much better does he have to be? Well, here's the thing. I think points-wise, Jack Eichel can be uh, a 90- to 100-point guy. Uh, and and that uh, that will... If you follow that statement, his his points per game will have to increase from what we saw last year. But the goal total, Ed, I think it was fourteen uh, yeah. in just over over thirty games. That's pretty darn good for a guy that played six weeks with a broken thumb and uh, went through uh, that that stretch without being able to really do a lot uh, with his hand. So uh, the, the point production, I, I think will increase, but the goal production, if if he's on half a goal per game coming off artificial disc replacement surgery and then a broken thumb, I, I think there's a, a lot of reasons to, to think that the, the production will increase and then definitely should increase uh, if he's healthy. So I, I, I'm, I'm really pumped about Jack Eichel to see what he can do and, and the type of numbers that he can produce this season, uh, we, we could be looking at something uh, pretty uh, explosive this year. And, and this is a team that's, that's had multiple different players lead uh, lead a season in scoring this year, or in, in the franchise's first five years. So uh, it, it wouldn't be a surprise that another different player steps up, and uh, he adds himself to the list of uh, the likes of uh, Carlson and March. So. All right. Oh, go ahead, Ed. Well, how much do you think it drives him to get to the playoffs? I mean, obviously, that's an obvious statement, but how much do you think that really does drive him? Because Bruce Cassidy talked about that um, in terms of, you know, meaningful games in April and May. That's part of what drives him and good for him because it should be. Yeah, I think it's the only thing, Ed. I think there's nothing really left for him to, to accomplish. I mean, uh, individual goals would, would be great, but, uh, but this guy's watched the Stanley Cup playoffs his entire life uh, before being in the National Hockey League and, and since he's joined. Uh, that, that's why he uh, was so excited about joining the Vegas Golden Knights is, is that they'd, uh, they'd had such a, uh, a charmed existence in the early going and, and made the playoffs every time. So I, I, think, I think that is, is the sole uh, thing that, that is pushing him is to get to be able to play in game one of the Santa Cup playoffs and get into a four of seven series and and experience that and 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 see what uh what it uh is like uh yeah that that is that is what circles everything all right here's an important question for you Mm -hmm. i think i know what this is do you like parades purple uh parades uh so i've heard a little bit about this in the last couple of days, and uh, including this morning when I was at drop off, and I, and I think that uh, that you guys have me pegged a little bit wrong, uh, and also right on the money. Me uh, disagreeing just because Tyler says one thing is closer to being accurate yes. than, than <laughs> yes. I 
than uh, I like to admit, but uh, but it is accurate. Uh, I'm not a parade guy. Yeah, oh, let's go. No, I, I told you we weren't going to no, have Darren. No, I knew rolling. we wouldn't have. I've him. always liked you, Darren. You've oh, always been yeah. great. No. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll go back to 2011. We were covering the uh, Stanley Cup final in in Vancouver, and it came down to Game Seven between the Bruins and the Canucks. And remember, Canada hadn't won a Stanley, or still hasn't won a Stanley Cup since 1993, and uh, and it leaked out uh, from our bosses. That we, if Vancouver won, we were going to have to stay a few extra days. And after two months of covering the Stanley Cup playoffs, you want to get home and and uh, and relax for a little bit. We were we found out that we were going to have to stay in Vancouver, and we were going to have to work the parade. I've never worked a parade, and my colleagues uh, who are players and managers uh, in the past have never worked a parade. Uh, that may have tipped. Uh, us the cheering against the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> just to avoid working a parade and watching a parade firsthand. Oh, great answer, Darren. Um, will you like a parade if the Golden Knights hold one for winning the Stanley Cup? Will your that, mind, will your opinion change? You know, here's a, like, I've I've had uh, visions of that going down the strip and how cool that would be uh, having a Stanley Cup parade going down the strip, and I would change. All my opinions <laughs> yes. about a parade because of uh, because of that uh, fantasy that, that that would be covered worldwide and and seeing all that and, and not just being I mean when I was little I liked the candy that they would throw to you like who eats candy off the road but I did <laughs> and uh, uh, but the, the the parade on the strip would be very very cool right. I would come over to your side Ed on that one darn right all right until then Darren Millard uh, agrees with Tyler Bischoff Darren thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. I uh, I would like to be a grand marshal one day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being in the parade would be kind of cool. People are looking at you. Yeah. Standing on wouldn't the side be, of the road. Wouldn't you be sitting there going, telling your driver, like, can we speed this up a bit? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to see Darren and Tyler on the same float. <laughs> oh, with a boxing ring uh, on the on the flatbed. Yeah, be good? Darren's got the hockey background. It would be one shove and Tyler would be off the float. Yeah, he's kind of old. <laughs> yeah. He he would pass the lead car running. <laughs> All right, get out of here, Darren. You're <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Me. You're pushing it now. Thank you, buddy. So there's Darren See Millard. Uh, what is it now? Six to three in my six favor? Three. Yeah, six to three. Yeah, it's not looking good. What a blowout. You're going to have to book a special parade guest tomorrow is, to try is to get It's my only hope, on Starkus. Side. Maybe Starkus has a few pops in him this morning and <laughs> nah. like go on my side. I don't know. Something tells me Starkus isn't much of one. Well, well if it's his kid and and on some kind of baseball parade, he's going to be for one. So, well, yeah. I have to preface it with, "Do you like parades?" If it included your son, no, can't do that. <laughs> Just parades. I think we might get Cassie tomorrow, though. I think she's a pro parade. Really? I think so. That's a good dog parade, maybe. No, I think I think real parade. Yeah, I think she. Yeah. Let's find out. This is the best content of the week. Coming up next, Doug Gottlieb was wrong about Freddie Freeman. Outfield shallow. First pitch. In the dirt. And that hops to the left of Huff. Here comes Altuve. He scores. Astros win it. Four to three and ten. A wild pitch by Hernandez. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. That sound you just heard. The Rangers in the 10th inning intentionally walked the bases loaded. And then on the very next pitch, wild wild pitch. pitch, winning run scores from third. Brutal. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely brutal and by the way Altuve was intentionally walked in that inning too the Astros did not get a hit in the inning and scored a run that was well, not who who got on that they intentionally walked was it like first and third or something so 
uh, first guy bunted the the ghost runner over to third. Then they intentionally oh, tried to take screenings. Yeah, then they intentionally walked Altuve. So it was first and third. And then there was a ground ball in the infield. They threw the runner out going home. So it was first and second. Jordan Alvarez was up, and they intentionally walked him to get to Bregman. And then the first pitch threw it away, winning run scored. So the Astros did not have a hit and scored a guy that was intentionally walked by the Rangers earlier in the inning to win the game. It's a lot of Rangers. <laughs> so Rangers of them. In uh, baseball, we had the report earlier this year from Doug Gottlieb about Freddie Freeman and the Atlanta Braves. Freeman ended up signing with the Dodgers in the offseason, despite uh, he apparently wanted to stay with the Braves pretty badly. Uh, But Doug Gottlieb reported that Casey Close, who was Freeman's agent, that Casey Close was given one final offer from the Braves to Freddie Freeman and that Casey Close did not tell Freddie Freeman about it basically made Casey Close look like a bad agent for not telling his player about, about one last offer. offer. Right. That's what Gottlieb reported yesterday. Oh, so here's the thing. Doug Gottlieb's being sued by Casey Close, uh, this agent. Yesterday, Doug Gottlieb put out a statement uh, in which he said, I prematurely reported on these events and simply got it wrong. There's a whole paragraph here. He says he apologized to Casey Close directly, deleted his tweet, all that stuff. But he admitted, or he said, that he reported on these events and simply got it wrong. So based on this, Casey Close did tell Freddie Freeman. About all the offers on the table. all the offers. Maybe there wasn't a last offer, whatever. But the Casey Close told Freddie Freeman about all of these offers. And Freeman still signed with the Dodgers. Right. Do you believe Doug Gottlieb's original tweet or Doug Gottlieb's apology when he says he got it wrong? I believe Doug Gottlieb's, Gottlieb's apology because he's getting sued. Here's my question. and Maybe maybe we should ask Sam and Ash this next week. From everything I learned in journalism school and college, Doug Gottlieb can't actually lose a lawsuit for simply reporting incorrect information. That Doug Gottlieb, you can only lose... Like, you can only be sued for libel or defamation, whatever. The only way you lose is if you knew the information you reported was wrong when you reported it. But doesn't Casey Close say this is defamation because it makes him look like a bad agent and it could cost him clients? Right, but you can't—it's sure, but you can't—from everything I learned, and again, I'm not a lawyer. I just went to journalism school. But from everything I learned, a public figure—and I would assume Casey Close would qualify as a public figure— cannot win a libel or defamation lawsuit unless you can prove that the reporter knew it was incorrect information. Like if, if you like as basically as a reporter, you can't be sued simply for getting a story wrong. Now you can be sued if you knew the story was wrong and still well, published it. That's a hard proof. Right, and exactly, and that was that was that's one do of the key points. You have to give up your sources. Right, is that how do you prove that they knew it was wrong and still did it? Now, again, I just repeating what I learned like seven or eight years ago in a campus in Mississippi. So take that for what it's worth. But because when I saw Doug Gottlieb apologized and retracted, I was like, "Am I wrong? Like, did 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 I get taught something wrong here, or 
So you're believing his original tweet on the source? Well, not necessarily, but my I'm I was surprised. I don't know if he comes back with this if it's if he's right. believable in his first reporting. I was surprised that Doug Gottlieb sent out an apology and retracted everything. Right, was like, oh, I I messed up so badly here because that that apology from Doug Gottlieb reads very much like I don't want to get sued. Right? Like, right. that's what exactly. it does. That's what, but that's what it does. My understanding like. exactly. the whole time was that there was no way he would lose unless he, uh, he knew it was wrong and still reported it. You so got it. My thought, so potentially I mean, here, because if I'm Doug Gottlieb and you're suing me and I know you can't win, does he know that? I mean, I Surely would assume his, he. His attorney does. I was assuming he, his attorney should, if that's the case. Right. So listen, maybe I'm completely wrong, but if I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you sue me, and I know you can't win, I'm not putting out like a paragraph of saying how. I don't know. I, I think was. he was afraid he was going to get sued, and didn't maybe didn't understand the entire concept of that unless they proved that I did this um, on purpose and I knew it was wrong. Right. Because that's a hard prove right there. Right. I mean, you got to really, you have to have someone admit it or you, you know, you have to give up your sources and they have to admit it. Yes. And so I kind of love the idea that somehow in this process, they had evidence that Doug Gottlieb knew it was wrong and still reported it. That would be great if he knew it was wrong and still reported it. Because the other interesting detail here, Doug Gottlieb's a college basketball guy. Like he does right. a national radio show, but he's not an MLB insider breaking right. news regularly.